0: hi if i could take a moment of your time before we start if you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to that would be really helpful it helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward thanks Hi everyone, welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. I'm Sam Moores and with me this week I have Will Beaumont. Hello. Hello. Welcome, welcome. I think we have a slight delay um, <laughs> but hopefully we can uh, we can work, work through it. Um, can you tell me and the audience a little bit about sort of who you are and what you do? So yeah, I'm Will Beaumont.
2: Um, I am a motoring journalist and I am the founder and editor of Verka magazine which is a Sort of a quarterly high end BMW magazine,
0: right? Okay, Verka well, is it, presumably this is a German word. It is yes. I suppose it, uh, I've been kind of toyed with having this as
2: the as the as the tagline for the magazine, but Verka it, it, is the last word in BMW, which kind of works as a sort of as a nice strap line but also it technically is the last it's the w in bmw yeah because in in english we call it bavarian Motor Works, and now i'm going to sort of butcher how you say it in in german which would be like uh, i can't i can't even remember what the but what bavarian is in in german but uh, but anyway it's a bayern Motor werke is what i suppose what it would be in um in in german um and so we don't necessarily have it as a as a as a as a, w- a word in English, which is why everyone always asks me, "How do you pronounce how do you know pronounce name?" And I sort of well, most of the time I say like, it's written down. It's a magazine, so it doesn't really matter too much. I am not going to get fussy if you call it work worker <laughs> verka I don't really mind, but technically, I suppose it should be verka which is what I aim for. And I we kind of lean into the kind of Germaness about it because again, obviously, the cars are German and Bavarian, and it's it's that's it's a nice sort of it's a nice nice tie in.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. But I can see that happening. Like I have. For the for the people that are watching and I'm sure you have a few I've got I've got one issue I've got the other issue actually number one over there uh, you can see this lovely magazine um and immediately I'm like okay it's worker magazine and then you're like no it's Verka and then is it maybe down the line you'll have the people that have been saying Worker Magazine for ten years, and they'll be fighting the people that are saying Verka, like Porsche and Porsche, <laughs> going, "No, I don't care how you pronounce it. This is this is my magazine, and I'm going to pronounce it like this." Um, uh, yeah, and we get in a
2: situation like Hyundai, and how we meant to, I mean, we've been calling it Hyundai for decades, you know, and now now we're being told you have to call it Hyundai, and I, I mean, we'll. I, Def, definitely don't you know won't be in that but we play on the um the kind of the the puns within the magazine about it being called work so i could people are definitely going to get um are definitely <laughs> going to get confused with there is there's a section in it called the work station or what should be called the verka station i suppose which is where we sort of have our long termers yeah. and we have uh, we kind of have a dedicated page for an artist who sort of takes takes over and kind of creates some bmw artwork and we call that work of art or because that doesn't work as well as yeah. work of art it doesn't work so it is work of art and i don't know so it doesn't like i can say we're we're i'm making it more confusing so i don't it doesn't matter what you call it as long as you yeah as long as you got it and you'll enjoy
0: it yeah so much scope for so much scope for puns because <laughs> would you say it is work or not work <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah. so yeah. When everyone's it's sort much, of saying, "Oh, what much. are you doing it for?" and you, know, oh, "What are you doing today?" and I'm like, "Oh, I'm working." You know, is it on are you work on work? And no, I'm like, <laughs> "No, I'm working with the." Oh, no, yeah. See what you- oh, it's it's desperately confusing, but also yeah, lots of fun. I, don't if- I like the confusion.
0: It's kind of, yeah, it's fun. Right. Okay. So, how? Where did this start? When? How did you get into the automotive space, journalism, etc.
2: So I started working at Evo magazine probably uh maybe over 10 years ago. That was when I started. God, it feels that feels like it feels like only yesterday. I, I don't think I'm old enough to have worked somewhere <laughs> over ten years ago, but I definitely am. Um, <laughs> um and yeah, I I started working there. Um I was a I was a designer, graphic designer. And I got um I was—I'd gone from a branding agency, uh, and I was a subscriber to Evo. It was my favorite magazine at the time, and uh, sort of still it's obviously other than my own. Um, And we—and I used to—I start—I got a job there as a designer. I mean, it was a great process—the interview process. I think we spoke about doing about the magazine and magazine work and what graphic design for all of about thirty seconds, and then just spoke cars for an hour. Um, And I thought I came away thinking. I might have done quite well here. I think I'm going to fit in with these guys. Um, and I did, and I got the job, and I was just – I just loved – again, I love cars. Cars have never not been a part of my life. My whole entire family are obsessed with cars. It's just, you know, it, there is – everything revolves around cars for me and in my family. And so um, so I can I – can, I wasn't like a typical designer on the magazine in some respects who were sort of maybe interested in cars but more interested in design. It was certainly for me I was more interested in cars and design and magazine sort of came second. Um, so I would, I'd drive the cars and I'd listen to the people I'd work with, the, with my colleagues. And I just want to sort of absorb all the information that they were talking about and want to try as many cars as possible. And I was lucky that I to do stuff. And eventually they just, someone just sort of went, um, we need a new staff writer. Do you want to do it? Cause I'd written a few bits here and there. I used to, I used to write about my own car in the kind of long-term section of the mag. And they were like, you know, you, you, you're not you're not you're not illiterate um so you might need a bit of molding you might need um you might need to, to be to be not going to be immediately going to you know turn you into a sort of a writer but you know you're going to need to learn and so that's what I did and yeah and I and then I carried on working there and I worked there for longer than I was there as a designer and um and and yeah and I just again it was just the most fun and the best thing at, you know that you could ask for, and again, Evo is just you know, a brilliant place. But eventually, um, felt the need to leave. Um, I went freelance, and and then then COVID hit, and freelance work was was quite <laughs> tricky. Um, magazine that I worked on a lot when I was freelance, um, Modern Classics, uh, which I really loved. I loved the idea and the concept of it, and there was sort of, I suppose, it was kind of the bits of Evo the kind of when we do sort of icons within Evo it was like those bits but kind of expanded to an entire magazine so it really suited me and I really enjoyed mm. I really enjoyed that when um, I was doing I was working with them and unfortunately yeah, that didn't survive COVID and I was thinking oh, what am I going to do what what do I want to do and you know I've got a background in design I can write I've got um I've got a, a bit of an obsession with BMWs not a, you know I like lots and lots of cars but BMWs are sort of a big part of my life and I thought well there isn't really a kind of high-end BMW magazine that exists in the world it's not you know there are Porsche ones and um, uh, then the publisher I worked at at Evo they had Vantage and Enzo and there were other single make mags that were sort of doing well quarterly things and I thought you know what there's there's space for a BMW one let's Let's give that a whirl. Let's 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 try that out, and and that's where it started. And you know, it took me a little while after COVID to sort of get it all going and get the shoots done and get writers involved and get photographers involved and beg, borrow, steal everything to sort of get the get a first issue, get a first issue sorted. Um, and but yeah, that's what sort of launched it in uh october november last year and yeah and it's and it's gone from there that it's and that's 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 where it that's what it is that's what where where it is now and it is in a real life magazine that exists and we've done two issues and I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it and the best thing about it so far has been the the feedback from people people actually really really love it and it's amazing i'm um, yeah because essentially i made a magazine that i liked i made a magazine that i wanted to read um, and it turns out, thankfully that I'm, that I'm not alone, that other people uh, see it and go, Oh, this is, this is exactly what I want to read as well. So yeah, it's going well.
0: That is a nice melding. Cause I imagine you, you, you sit on this cause you, how long, I guess let's wind back a little bit. You were staff, at Evo, and then you decided you want to be freelance. What was pushing that change? What made you want to go? Uh, oh, I think I kind of want to do this a bit differently
2: um i suppose it's a bit of <laughs> there's a bit of there's you know there's i i'm a bit of a control freak in some respects um and again having worked as a designer and done lots of roles at evo and kind of worked on the kind of production side of it and creating it and being part of that side to being on the writers the writing side of it and i suppose if you think about a magazine in the kind of the lifespan of each issue it starts with this concept stage and the designers are sort of maybe involved in kind of coming up with sort of visually how things might look. Um, but it kind of then the writer is passed on to the writers while the sort of designers and production people are kind of setting up for certain things. And then towards the end of the schedule, that's when the designers, the subs, um, the editors and stuff are all sort of more involved in in the kind of finalizing things. Um, and then so I kind of went, I tried every bit of that, that path within, within creating a magazine. And as a writer, as much as I... I enjoyed it and I loved it and I loved being part of part of that. Um, I wanted to also be part of the production side of stuff as well, and you can't quite do that. You can't necessarily be in that because we were we were too busy doing other things. You know, my job was a writer. I couldn't sort of go, oh, I'm going to spend the. Press week that we get there going. Oh, I'm just going to jump back onto the sort of like the um, the design desk or the sub desk or whatever it might be, and to sort of to be involved in those kind of things. That doesn't really work. Like I had other things to often write, um, and you know, staff changed. There was a big big turnover of staff when I was when I was at Evo, and there was a big change in the culture of things. And I think I just saw not that it was. Not that i needed to sort of get out by any means; it wasn't a it wasn't a problem. Um, but I think what happened was is that, and this is inevitable, sort of like with any with anything, particularly when you're passionate about something, is that you, because of nostalgia and because of the way that you way people think, is that things are always better in the past. You forget about the, the, the difficulties, you forget about the problems. So when you've it was getting to a point where I was looking back and going, "Oh, last year I was having much more fun. I was getting to do all these other things," and and I just thought. I just thought, you know what, I'm not gonna I, I'm gonna start begrudging this. And even though this is the most amazing job and it's really cool people and I get to work with, you know, really great friends, and I get to drive amazing cars, and I'm in and out of the best cars all over those I'm traveling around, I feel like I'm gonna start begrudging a lot of these things and I'm gonna sort of and I'm gonna grow to dislike the place. And I don't want that to happen. So I need to sort of get out and leave now. Um and and start forging my own kind of path and my own and be be more responsible for myself because at least I can't begrudge myself in some res- in the same sort of way because if it goes tits up it's my own fault it's not it's not you know it's not anyone else's fault um and I think that so there was a there was definitely an encouragement of, of of that and also I think it's the case with with big publishers to an extent a little bit and certainly with magazines like Evo where there's such a desire for p- people to work there um that actually making progress kind of is, is very difficult. You know, it's 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 an old, I say, an old magazine. It's not that old, but you know what I mean. It's it has its it, it's defined in a certain way, and it, you know the people that have worked on that who are sort of higher up have possibly been been there longer. And I just didn't necessarily see me being able to change my role or to sort of like to, to progress very very quickly. And again, not in that same sort of way, but, you know. And I just thought it was—it just felt like the right time. And there were other things about kind of working from home aspects. This was before COVID and office changes and all those sort of things. And it—and again, they're really boring stuff. But they were just sort of like the catalyst to kind of go, "Oh, do you know what? Now's the right time." Rather than mixing up and changing my contracts and doing all those sort of things, how about I? I I, you know I I step I step back and and I and I go so it was also and again this is also really boring and this is something that uh, was great about the publisher uh, that I was working for Dennis they did a um, you got a a, a six week or eight week sabbatical if you'd worked there for five years and I'd worked there for five years I hadn't taken my sabbatical yet and it was a point where they go well if you left you could have the sort of the the financial thing of the sabbatical so it meant I could leave. without being maybe redundant or anything like that but I could leave with a bit of a payout as well which gave me a bit of a boost so I could start a freelance career so all all the sort of everything kind of aligned all at once and it just seemed like the right time um in some respects and yeah it wasn't the case you know where it was a where I fell out with everyone there and like just it just happened to it just felt like the right time so that's why I did it and it seems weird lots of people say why would you ever leave and I sort of I look back and sometimes think, "Yeah, why did I ever leave?" Because it was really, really good. And then I think back and go, "Do you know what? No, I, it was the right decision. It was the right decision." And it does feel like that now. But there were certain times where I was thinking, "God, you know, um, you know." When people sort of talk about sort of driving the sort of like late, you know, I've not, I, I've not driven the latest. Um, 911 GT3 which feels like something really strange when you are when you when you're at Evo and you have you're sort of in 911s and Porsches all the time and you sort of get to this point where you're sort of so familiar with them and I'm like oh actually there's a whole new generation of GT3 that I just haven't experienced and that kind of feels a little bit strange from a point of view where I was sort of like so innately sort of in tune with those cars but again i don't it's not a really problem i mean that's hardly a a problem at all is it what a what a first one i I see it as a problem i can see how this
0: internally is an issue Um, (laughs) and yeah that well running a bmw magazine that is not going to change anytime soon i guess (laughs) (laughs) no
2: no it's not i mean i i can say i you know my, my plan is and it's it wasn't it's not quite panned out this way and it hopefully will do a little bit but my plan isn't I mean, I like BMWs, but it's they're not. I'm, it's not only about BMWs to me. I love all cars. I just love so many different cars. So I want to still continue to write stories for other people, and so, which can yeah, I can drive other things and drive other and drive other cars. But yeah, that but at the moment, that's not necessarily taken as I'm as I'm sort of trying to do, create a magazine and. Um, do customer service and sell adverts and, and do all the bits that, that, that I just uh, that I'm not very good at uh, and I'm finding quickly that I'm the bits that I'm not very good at and finding other people to do those you know the first issue basically all the distribution was done by me I had them all delivered to my office um, and just and I was packaging them up and sending them out and it was yeah, it was it was difficult, and I've I've decided that's not that's not a good use of my time. That get someone else to do that.
0: So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine and 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 jumping out into the world it's slightly before the magazine of, of of freelance. Did you did you have like a strategy beforehand to go? Oh, I've actually got you know all these contacts in these different magazines, or had Evo said actually you can still do some freelance stuff for us. How how does that work when you go in? Because presumably you're like. Well, now I need to be right for people, like now, not in two months' time. Um,
2: yeah, there was, yeah, absolutely. There was a there was an element of uh, a bit of both. I did a bit of I did a bit of stuff for Evo. Actually, mostly sort of just driving stuff. Actually, when it came to Evo things, which is another thing that I also have done. That's a really great way of that was that's kind of that's particular start that kept me uh, kind of afloat because, of course, pitching um, pitching stories to people and there's always a bit of a time lag when it comes to comes to writing anything, and then so you pitch a story, and they go, "Oh yeah, we want that for this issue," and then and then you do the thing, and then you invoice it afterwards, and then it gets paid. So it could you know you can it could potentially sometimes be six months after you pitch something before you get paid for it. So you you're right, it absolutely there needs to be other things. And so I did a bit of driving just for sort of I know lots of photographers who often need drivers, whether it just be sort of uh driving a tracking car at 25 miles an hour or whatever it might be or whether it's doing something a bit more spectacular whatever it might be that's you know and i they they trust me to do those things so i got you know i got i got that sort of work but yeah the leaping into the world of of freelance if you don't have any contacts and you didn't know lots of other people with the motoring journalism is a great industry in a sense when it comes to networking without having to do without having to feel like you're networking, because all these kind of launch uh, things that we, that I used to go on, you know, I was going on a a car launch at least once a week, if not more often than that, um, when I was at Evo at certain points. And so you're in, you're put on a, you know, on a plane and put, yeah, at dinner and breakfast and everything with, uh, and sometimes put into a car, with these other people that work on other magazines and that work on other places and you just get to know them. And so when you go freelance and you can sort of say to them, you know, and you can have a quick chat and go to the, you know, someone from autocar and say, Oh, I've got this story. Can had what do you think about that? Or I've got this, um, to, uh, car magazine or, uh, uh, anyone basically you know really that that, that I, you know that i could try to talk to and for me though what i wanted to do and i sort of i've seen this with other with other journalists who i who i'm friends with and who i have a lot of respect for and they're very protective of their kind of their own brand in some respects um and that yeah you know, they suddenly you know you for example uh jethro bovington and you look at what he's done when he went freelance. Didn't immediately go. Oh, all right, I, you know, I went from Evo and then started. Then I'll go. Oh, I, I'm freelance. I'll take any work. He he went and said, "I do performance car stuff. I don't do. I'm not going to go and do you a review of the new SUV crossover electric car thing because that's not what I do. You know. And also, it, it, he doesn't have the. I suppose in some respects, he hasn't got the sort of like the, the wealth of knowledge in that sector to, to necessarily to to do a great review but also he doesn't want to be doing those things and he wants to be doing what he's known for so there was another element of that that I was I I thought right well I'm not going to just take any odd work I'm not going to suddenly start start going into partly because I'm not very good at it I'd be a terrible consumer journalist I'd be terrible at giving um practical reasonable rational advice to people because that's just not how i think about cars i love cars i don't and I, I don't care if they're expensive or unreliable most of the time or whether they're silly and impractical or any of those sort of things because if if i like them i like them for because because of for loads of other reasons and i'll completely ignore all the you know the kind of the the, the the kind of crap that goes along with it um because it's a great car other than that um so i couldn't possibly go and do those things anyway that would be that would be silly and I would have been terrible at it um as well and there were and that's not to discredit the people that are good at it because if you're good at consumer journalism it is a real real skill and I admire the people that do it I just I'm not it's just not for me um so that was what I wanted to do and I think I kind of I I I very much like kind of I suppose older cars as well so that's why modern classics was a great sort of fit and that's why I pushed really really hard to get into that magazine because it was like right that's going to be the sort of things I want to do. I like older stuff. And I've done a few bits for classic and sports car and, and, um, and things like that. And generally, you know, it, you know there's, there is something kind of generally kind of the new car stuff. I don't really do. That's a very difficult, difficult uh, world to get into, particularly kind of being a freelancer on launches. Cause, ultimately the best way to do that and the way to make it really work because you could be you know, away for three days maybe if you're going to do a normal one-day launch kind of thing you're at least going to be out of the office for three days and to make three days work out of one review or of driving one car you've got to sell that multiple times over that means you have got to write it differently even if you're saying the same things, you've got to write it three, four times over. And again, oh, I just, I, I'm just not good enough. I'm not good enough at that. I can, I can come up with something interesting once, but I don't think I can do it any more than that. And and that's, you know, and that's that that's 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 difficult. And so I thought, right, well, I'll, I'd rather go ahead and do sort of like invest in my t- my time in doing the bigger bigger things, and you know, and 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 bigger. Bigger features, spend more time, more research, and on cars that I and cars that I know more about. Yeah, performance cars. That's what I've got a a, a good selection. My you know my encyclopedia of cars in my own brain and what they're all or what they drive like. It's yeah, you know, it's weighted towards the performance car stuff. So that's yeah, you know, would be silly to sort of yeah. not to, to sort of ignore that.
0: Yeah, massively. And I think it's definitely easy for people in whatever sector you're in. I, I found it in my stuff. You start doing where you, you're angling, whether it's photography or okay, let's just say podcasts, I'm doing podcasts and you start off and you're like, right, I, I love performance cars, for example. And then you run out of content and, <laughs> and then you're like, well, actually I, I need to do something. So then you start putting in these other things and it's very easy to go. Yeah. Okay. But that's just a bit of content. If I just do that, it will go out and it will be done. But actually, as you said, like if you're not, if it's not what you're interested in and normally more importantly, what your audience is interested in as well, um, then you just start wondering and it do, it just doesn't work. Whereas like I get invited to some launches of some stuff, not not very many, but I often get invited to like pretty plain launches of like something that's really quite mundane, which on a personal level, I would like to have driven maybe but for 20 minutes and not write anything about it, not record anything, not do anything, but have driven. But I can't make a video. Like you said, you let's say you went to a launch and it was two days. If you go somewhere for two days and you made a video and it got 500 views, like you should stay at home. Like Don't do it. It's not worth it. So yeah. has that been interesting when you've started to look at putting together the magazine of what do we include? What do we not include? How do we set stuff up? Uh,
2: yeah, absolutely. Again, it's about it's a, yeah. Again, like I say, I used to I worked as a designer, and I think it's given me a really clear understanding of what a brand is and what you sort of like what you what and how important maintaining that brand is, whether or not it's whether me as a freelancer or whether it is the the magazine itself, because actually there are you know just because it's a bmw magazine doesn't mean we cover every single thing that bmw does or says or releases or all those sort of things because ultimately there is a section of what bmw make that is not that's maybe a bit mundane that isn't that that isn't within the sort of that isn't going to be interesting to enthusiasts and obviously you don't just pick up a bmw magazine because you own a if you own a (laughs) <laughs> Two twenty active Tora. You don't pick up a BMW, magazine You're not interested in BNWs. You're interested in, you're interested in having a car. So it's the people that that are actually interested in BMWs. So of course, that's got to be what's what's important and what's and what's going on there. But at the same time, using that understanding of your audience to add diversity to the magazine as well because again a, ma- a magazine isn't it's a, a, it's not a book in the sense that you know a book if you were to go out and buy a book you'd be written by one person on one specific topic and it would going to you know really sort of like real real detail or at least you'd hope it going to incredible amounts of detail or something on like those sort of lines and i suppose i want the incredible amount of detail but <clears throat> i want the magazine to be different voices different topics different different things different cars from different ages um but all still within this sort of like this window of what i think is going to be important to or what's going to be of interest to the to the reader and that i think is probably one of the one of the trickiest bits about kind of putting together the magazine is getting that uh, that variety of content within the magazine at the moment because they're new and they're interesting and there's lots of sort of hype around them a little bit i could fill the magazine with m3 and m4 content every single probably every single quarter it could be you know we could have m3 touring m4 csl um you know it it, you know modified versions of them i mean it's just it's endless and and it's great that there is that enthusiasm and those things are happening out there because it does mean that there are people that are they're excited by this and they do want to read about them, but I can't go, well, I've got to try and eke those out so that we get sort of a variety of stuff elsewhere. And the, the thing that I really enjoyed about, again, basically, like I said, this magazine is, it's a, it's, it's a creation of all the things that I love about car magazines. It's taking bits about stuff that I have been reading car magazines since I could read. Basically, that was that's when I started reading car magazines, and taking all these bits that I love about that I've seen in the past and go, "Oh, that's a really cool idea. Let's let's do that." And I'm going to say, it exists because there was some high-end quarterly Porsche magazines and I was like, well, that could work with BMW. So let's do that. And then I love new car reviews. You know, I love sort of knowing, I have a fascination about what, even if I don't drive them, I want to know what they're like to drive. I want to put them in my own sort of your kind of top trumps in my mind about which ones I like by reading the reviews. So that's got to go in. You know, I love it when sort of there's, uh, you know, when there's sort of something uh, a bit kind of some sort of illustration or art or something in there that's kind of car related so yeah we've got a page for art we have big big features again that go into massive detail and we talk to original engineers and we talk to different people about it we go to massive detail long termers as well i love it when people continue to tell the story and using their cars so we've got that in there as well so there's these bits it's all sort of a you know a love letter to all car magazines really just it has a bmw focus but one of the things I also loved was in it was about it was Octane specifically that used to do this, and they still do it to an extent as well. But but, but they they um, they used to have they'd always pop in a feature every now and again that was wasn't about a car, and it was just amazing. And they they would selected the right um, the right thing, the thing that it was that was still going to be kind of relevant to the Octane audience. I remember the specific one I remember was they did a feature on um, a barber shop in London, a sort of traditional barber shop, and I think they might have turned up there in a car there might have been a picture outside the barbershop with a with with an octane type car at the front but that was literally never once mentioned in the feature it was just sort of like it was just it was about this kind of barbershop that's, i was like that's so cool that just feels like the right kind of feature the right kind of content but again not car related so that's sort of what we've done i've do, I tried to do in verka as well and have so the first issue we've got a feature on um bmw's hq okay it's bmw but it's a it's a feature about a building it doesn't really mention cars it talks about architecture it talks about the uh the culture that around it, it talks about the context of how it was when it was built it talks about why it was built and how it was laid out and the reasons about sort of office culture at the time and all those sort of these sort of things which are just not at all to do with cars but i sort of you sit there and read and go this is fascinating this is really cool it's kind of bmw adjacent but it's not it's not so much uh, you're obsessed about. It. And then in the second issue we did a uh, kind of history and again cultural sort of significance of the autobahn. There's a pictures of a BMW on the autobahn. Um but the BMWs aren't mentioned. It's not about BMW, it's about the autobahn. But it's of course it's still relevant to to the cast so that's the sort of stuff that I like doing as well. So even though it actually in some respects doesn't immediately fit this sort of what I think is you know, anyone would else go, well that's part of the brand it's still within it, and it's you're pushing those boundaries of what what it what it what the brand is about, but then also not diluting it with yeah, like I say, a, a two twenty active tourer review because no one's going to be interested in that. You know, someone's going to be much more interested in a building <laughs> than they would in an MPV, whatever we want to call it, you know, practical family car kind of thing. It's
0: it's an interesting one with because I, I, I like I, I think like you, I, I love. When I've got a magazine that I follow and read for a long time and whatever, and they they have other things in them. Um, I did something with Ted gashu ages and ages ago. We did a podcast, and he was talking about Type Seven, you know, the Porsche kind of blog. Is there a magazine? It might be a magazine, but straight away it was like architecture, design, and some Porsches. Like it, w- it was not straight Porsches at all. It was very much architecture, cool culture and Porsches, it's like three prongs. And I think it's very easy for magazines to get so into just like their, like you said, you could do every iteration of the M4 modified, whatever, blah, 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 blah. blah. And you create a whole magazine that's wall to wall of one thing and someone will read it and go, yeah, that's great. But I think most, like most people, or pretty much all people, We're multifaceted. We like different things. And getting a little bit of something else thrown in with all of these other features you're interested in, you go, oh, well, I'll read that. I think that's one of the the best things about written, like printed media. You could do it on a digital one, but printed media, because you will read something that you wouldn't read otherwise because it's there and you're flicking past it. You're like, hmm, it might fit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, this the, 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 what goes in goes into the magazine isn't an accident in that sense. You know, it's it's carefully curated to create <laughs> this balance that that has this has this variety of stuff and of all these things that we think are going to be of interest. And absolutely, and again, you're right. We all have different interests. We all we're not just interested in cars. I mean, cars, like I say, are mostly what I'm interested in. But of course, I've got. I <laughs> you know, some would argue, but I'm an intelligent person. And I, you know, I have, you know, I have other interests outside. Now, I'm not going to pick up an architecture magazine to read about architecture, because it's possibly I'm going to be out of my depth a little bit within that. And there's going to be lots of things that are that are are going to perhaps be I haven't got the I haven't got the, the the knowledge on that subject to to leap into a magazine and 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 find it all find it all interesting. But if I've got a architecture feature in a car magazine that is that it's, 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 it's related to what I like, but it's also been sort of, it's focused towards someone who likes, likes cars and written in, in, in a, not in, in layman's terms, again, the people that have written the, these features outside of you know, that aren't So I've not got car journalists to write something about, um, you know, a, a building because, ultimately they don't have the credibility and you need to have that 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 knowledge. But talking to an architect journalist and going, Well, this is for a car audience, so perhaps don't there's not as much assumed knowledge you're going to have to perhaps signpost a few things a little bit more to to make to make it clear and as long as and again but i'm editing it if i get the feature back and go i don't understand this um i go back to the you know back to the original writer and go we need to explain this a little bit more can you you know can you rewrite this or can you tell me how it is and i can what's the i mean we did that wasn't actually necessary with any of the um, with any of the features that we did because they completely understood what it was that we needed which is great but it it, you'll like I say, you're introduced to these things within the context of what you're familiar with as well. So you, it's it, it, it kind of helps to it helps expand your knowledge, but it helps to keep you interested as well. You know what I mean? I'm not you know I'm not gonna you know, not gonna be. You know, some of the ideas and concepts, particularly in the architecture feature, are possibly a little bit. Uh, they're not the sort of no, it's not the way we talk about cars. It's not you know the, we don't talk about cars in the same sort of way, or at least necessarily. I don't. Um perhaps maybe if you if you're a road rat subscriber reader, which again, great magazine, they they certainly sort of uh kind of expand on the cultural and the design side of, of the way in which cars are and the kind of significance of them sort of within the kind of wider community, which is which is what what road rat's fantastic for, as well as all the history and the kind of being nerdy about cars. They do a really good job of that. Um and I think that's a little bit kind of you know what we're trying to do with with the with these other features, is just to sort of go, you're gonna you're going to learn a little bit, and you're going to you're going to you're going to be introduced to new sort of like concepts, a new way of thinking. But it's still going to be within the context of a car magazine. You're still going to sort of it's still for a car audience kind of thing. So I think that's yeah, I think that's that's again, it's a difficult it's a difficult line to tread. Um, and I think so far we've we've achieved it, and I think it's I think it, and it's been lots of fun. And I've again I get to again like I say, I'm creating this magazine that I want to read. And when I get these features back from these writers, as soon as I get it back, I'm like stop everything i want to read this you know and that's you know that's that's exciting for me because i think if i if i got it back and thought oh i'll read that later i'm like that's not the right thing to go in the magazine i've chosen the wrong thing or the wrong person or whatever it is you know that's that's not right that needs to be it needs to be I need to be excited as soon as it comes in. When the photos come back from a feature, I'm like, again, I can't wait to flick through all of these. And I want a bit. and I'm always at a situation going, there's way too many of these photos. I can't use them all. And they're all amazing. Yeah. And so far, that's, yeah, that's 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 what, that's the best way it's been. So yeah, I, I think if I'm not excited by it, and that's proven so far that, that what I get excited about, so do
0: other people, which is great. That's good. That is good. When you came up with the idea for the magazine, I started thinking about it put together and whatever. How long did that te- take to get like when you went okay I want to make as a magazine to episode 1 or what I'm not sure what they're called number 1 printed and out. Um so oh god that's a that's a really <laughs>
2: that's that's a really good question because um I'm not entirely sure. Um I think <laughs> Because it was so long, basically, that's the reason why I'm not entirely sure. Because it was so long, Um, I think. Yeah, I can say it was. It was kind of COVID sort of, COVID sort of times when, um, actually, in all honesty, so when uh, modern classics ended, um, it was actually put up for sale by Bauer Media, who were the publisher that, that had it. And I sort of thought, well, I don't know how much. It's going to cost I don't know how much you could buy a magazine and for but let's go into discussions about trying to buy this magazine because I liked it I was working on it I understood it I thought it was a good had a great audience had you know good numbers I thought all right well let's let's give it a go I don't think I was anywhere I don't think I had anywhere near the sort of money that uh, Bow wanted to sell it for but I didn't know that at the time I didn't know how it was going to be so I thought well that didn't and that didn't work obviously I didn't buy that um and so I thought, well, what's the next next step within this? If, I, if I'm going to run a magazine, if I can't buy one, I start one. I think, you know, from the point of view of, um, you know, there were definitely some of the features that we shot shot were, like, were shot eighteen months before the magazine was released. So, <laughs> yeah. like I say it was a long time. It was a long time. But and you know, and you talk, you hear, you hear stories about, well, particularly again, Evo. You know, hearing. Um, Harry at Metcalf talk about his about him about when they started Evo with him and Dickie and John and um, Peter Tomlin and they all started Evo. I hear about sort of like the, that him you, it taking months basically to start it, uh, but obviously they had they had Harry who you know had they had cash to start with, you know, and I I didn't, you know, and yeah. because I was also creating a magazine that content's never really going to go old it's never yeah you know, i'm not talking about sort of doing super relevant content we're not going to focus on news yeah we do a little bit of sort of an update of what's happened sort of in the past since the last issue kind of thing but um we you know i'm not focusing on news i'm not focusing on sort of like super current things and yes there are new car reviews and stuff in there but do you know what i mean new cars don't Suddenly, go off sale. You know, the day after, we, you know, the, the, they're not you yeah. know, after reviews are published or anything like that. Anything like that. So that they kind of last a little bit longer, Um and you yeah, features about about bigger things. It doesn't matter. So I thought, well, it doesn't matter if I take two years. Sort of creating the content for the second, for the first issue and establishing advertisers and getting out there and talking to BMW UK themselves so they can get, they can help out and all, you know, to, to try and encourage them to help, to help me with it, uh, with all those sort of things. So, yeah, it took a long time, a long time. And, you know, and coming up with a name and coming up with all these things that, again, that, you know, and, and trademarking it and doing all those other bits, you know, I, le- and again, I learned again from other people and hearing other people talk and doing other things. And, um, you know, Dan Prosser, who, who's launched, uh, the intercooler and and the, the 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 situation they had from from being drive nation and changing it into, you know, the intercooler and them not trademarking that name and going oh right okay I need to make sure that if I can with the name I can trademark it and I can have this thing so, it doesn't, so I don't have to change it down the line or I'm not going to get in any trouble but there's yeah. also loads of things I haven't done correctly there's loads of things that that I've done incorrectly because they are they're the, the they're the established way that other people do it and I go. I don't care about that. That's not, I'm not interested in that. I don't care whether everyone else yeah. does it. That's not how I'm going to do it because that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's a waste of my time. I don't, I don't, I don't care, you know, whatever. I'm going to do it my way. Um, and there are other things where I where I've gone and done it my way and gone, Oh, that's why everyone else does it differently. Cause I did that wrong and that's not how these things work. So I hoping, you know, hopefully that doesn't sort of, that doesn't reflect in the content of the magazine, you know, and hopefully it doesn't reflect in other bits. Hopefully it's just possibly the time it take, it took me to do the second issue, which wasn't quite the three months that it should have been. It was more like six months um, rather than the quarterly, but we'll but that's, get onto a better that's the process, Isn't yeah. it?
0: It's like you episode like version one, the first thing of anything you ever do takes, like you said, it could take two years and then the second one might take six months. And then the next one takes three months. Like it's, you learn a lot but you're breaking so much ground on the initial one can you give me an example of one of the things that you were like i'm going to do this my way because i think this is better and then you've realized ah everyone else does it this way but there's a reason
2: uh yeah, i mean the distribution is the first thing that comes to mind particularly um <laughs> because like i say i i i looked at other people that were that were that were sort of talking about distribution, and they were sort of they were saying, Oh well, yeah, we take fifty percent, and I was thinking that sounds too too much um uh, from every sale and yeah. I was like right that's that sounds like that's yeah, I'm not happy with that um and then you go, well, why can't I do it myself kind of thing? And and you go, right, cool, <laughs> I'll just, I'll do that. And it must be, I was like, there must be ways of, there must be ways of sort of having a a, a relationship with, uh, royal, a business relationship with raw Mail or Every or something on those sort of lines. And yeah, even as a single individual doing stuff, but I didn't have the scale to do any of those sort of things. So the first batch of magazines, you know, that, that I got orders for, I went down to my, Local Tesco Express, um, and and you know, with 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 boxes of of envelopes full of magazines, and and sort of went to the sort of counter. I was like, I've got two hundred, you know, two hundred issue. There the guy behind the counter. was like what? I was like, I spoke to Every and said, "Can I take it to one of your distribution places?" And they went, "No, you've got to take it to the to your local to your local place." And I went, "Fine, they're not going to be happy with this." Um, so those, so that was that was certainly one of them uh, advertising. You know, I'm not good at selling adverts. I talk to people about magazines and I, yeah, well, I, had other people, I had someone else involved in the first one, but the second issue, uh, I haven't had anyone involved in that. Um, the third issue, well, that's been taken over by someone else completely. But yeah, just trying to, I'm just not good enough at getting money out of people. I want to talk to them about cars and magazines and I don't want to talk to them about how great it is. I'm not a very good salesperson, found that out. So
0: how, how did you get around that issue? Because you've got, you've got some like, i mean there's there's quite a few companies I've heard of advertising in issue number two uh
2: yeah well, i mean so I was very lucky that um that the people that advertised in issue one that that um that I didn't sell an awful lot of those someone else sold those issue two they were so happy with the environment that they're in and the and the feedback yeah. that they got and they and they like being they like you know they like being associated with with the brand. To enough, that they can see the value in that. That it was a fairly easy thing for me to do was to phone, pick the phone up, and say, "Do you want to advertise again?" And they said yes. Um, so that was very easy. But uh, you know, for this magazine to continue to work and to make a make make a business sense, because at the moment it doesn't. <laughs> um, uh, you know, to make it, you know, it, we need to expand that the commercial side of it really. And I'm not in a yeah. position to be able to do that. So, anyway,s we're not suddenly going to turn it into. A magazine that's full of full of loads of ad, you know loads of cheap adverts or whatever that's not the that's not going to be the plan with them. i mean it has to you know, again the protecting the brand it has to be the adverts and the, and the way people advertise and the amount of adverts has to be fitting of a magazine that i'm charging 10 10 pound you know, for it's not a cheap magazine in that sense and if you were to have you know, if you were to pick up a ten pound magazine that was fifty percent advert, you're thinking, "What am I paying for?" You know, it has to be yeah. smaller, well done adverts for companies that are appropriate and and uh, and that are going to get that are going to see the benefit of of, of the brand association and brand awareness and 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 the kind of the, the customers that we're putting it in front of. And I think that's that's yeah, that's that's where that's where we need to sort of and, and finding those people and having those conversations and selling it. I understand it, but I just—I suppose it, turning it into turning it into sales is a is a difficult thing. But that's that's what that's what um, that's why salespeople are good at what they do, and that's why some of them earn the big money because they're very good at, at understanding brands yeah. and getting the right people into them. And they know the value of advertising. You know, it's a difficult one sometimes to sort of talk to people about advertising and they, you know, particularly print advertising. Okay, this is possibly for very niche stuff and perhaps um, is, is a bit of an element of the industry that most people don't understand or maybe not interested in at all. But, you know, where... A web advertising and digital advertising, you can see everyone who clicks on your thing. You can, you know the numbers instantly. A print yeah. effort, you don't know how many times that that's converted someone to get in touch, go on your website, find a, you know, even make a sale or whatever. You can track as much as you can with specific phone numbers or QR codes, all those sort of things. But it's, it's a, again, it's about the kind of, the, the brand awareness and the brand association and being part of an environment that you're going to be, you're going to have, uh, other kind of high end content around. If you're selling high end BMWs, or you're selling a high end product, or you're selling um, expensive insurance or spe- uh, specialty type stuff, you want to be in that sort of you want to be in that environment where it's you know, where it's, it's 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 interesting and it's 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 up there with 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 this, with with your brand and lots of other magazines. Again, not again not, not discrediting them because they do what they do really well, but lots of other magazines don't have that kind of that same. High quality, high luxury brand that that I've 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 created. So yeah, that's it's important to maintain that.
0: Yeah, and it's I imagine it's it's sort of everything. Like you've got to create the magazine and etc. But in terms of like, and I I don't know because it's difficult to ever hear numbers of I don't know how many magazines are sold on various people and and whatever. And in terms of financials. Work to other magazines, so you might have some idea. But like, what percentage? Where's the money made on a magazine? Is it is it the ads? That ads are basically everything, and then you're p- kind of paying for printing and distribution by buying it. Or how does that work? And obviously, in the ideal situation, I know you're building <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. So when it comes to other magazines, I have no idea.
2: I as an editorial person, or even yeah, you know, being on an editorial team, um, I was kept very away from the kind of business, business decisions and stuff that was going on with magazines. Yeah. Not necessarily on purpose. I don't know how necessarily how, how that worked. And We weren't necessarily even in the same...
0: They knew kind of you were going to leave.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah probably well yeah there might be there might be i mean when setting up these these publishers that might somebody very clever at the top might have decided that we keep editorial people away from the business decisions and the sales team because otherwise they learned too much i don't think that was necessarily what was happening um no, at the thing. we were too busy doing other stuff we we're too busy creating the magazine to worry about other other bits like that that wasn't wasn't yeah. But, but so i don't know how it works in other magazines i have to admit there are uh, the the breakdown of the kind of percentage of what 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 comes in and what profit and what makes money um is 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 difficult i suppose i would say that probably kind of copy sales and and uh subscribers is probably more of a uh it's more stable than the com- than the than the advertising and commercial side i suspect yeah. again i'm just getting that from sort of like from the things that i would get there sometimes that would be a case where we'd We'd, we'd often get a sponsorship for something, and then we'd just suddenly go, "Oh, well, we can spend some more money here," and that was, you know, that was that was yeah. that was how we would that was how that was. So it was, that was perhaps not as not as consistent the kind of the advertising and the and the, that the commercial sales type of stuff. And when it comes to what I'm doing, the copy sales are the thing that certainly makes the most amount of money. That's what it is that we're that we're that we're we're kind of generating most of the most of the revenue from at the moment yeah. um and i suspect that'll be always be that will continue to be the case because ultimately as great as and i don't know this yeah as great as the i'm not making i'm not making an i'm not making a magazine for advertisers i'm making a magazine for readers yeah and of course, actually that's That benefits advertisers actually, if you see it in the long run, yeah. but I'm not creating a magazine to appeal to advertisers. I'm creating a magazine to appeal to to, to readers and to, to, I want them to enjoy. It and I want people that buy it go, this feels like I've, you know, I've, I, I, I've got more than my money's worth. This is, you know, this is, you know, this is how it, how it should be. Not just how it feels, but the content within it and, um, you know, and, and so far that's that's been that's been the case and hopefully we build up this audience with and we build up this, this readership of people that are you know that are really dedicated to the magazine because they fully understand it and I'm working and creating my you know creating something that they're going to love and that eventually the advertisers go oh we want to tap into this audience and we want to buy adverts for this but ultimately the reader is important to me. And that's where so in some respects, I suspect will always be a case where it's the reader that we get the most revenue from because they're who I'm making
0: it for. Yeah, well, it's definitely it should it should always be the focus, isn't it? because it's the people buying the magazine that make it work. No one else makes it work like if you if you don't have an audience that enjoys the content, you end up with one of those magazines that you get given out for free that comes through your letterbox or your on a thing somewhere. And it's just full of just ads and advertorials and just it's just the whole thing is like a paid thing. And they're like, anyone that will read it, will anyone read it? Can we just give it to you? Um, And then like no one cares. Whereas if you've got an engaged bunch of people, then that's that is value for an advertiser and the other stuff. Um, But it's yeah, it's it's by far the most important thing. And how how many how many copies have you do you sold? Said, um, hopefully it's it's wrapped but like what sort of numbers are we looking at <laughs> so we had so we've had four thousand printed of of
2: both of both issue um we've we, i think i can't remember exactly how many we sold of the of the of the first issue uh but we're looking i think it was about uh it was might have been about two and a half thousand so we um so there's but the, we're, we're still selling seems like good going. yeah we're still selling lots of the of the first issue um And we weren't able to get that into the, into shops in the same way, because I made some mistakes when it comes to, uh, Registering the magazine and specific barcodes and all those sort of things, so it can't be sold in the okay, same way. Yeah. Um, again, that's one of those things that I didn't know about, and I just went ahead and did some stuff. And you're meant to register yeah. it with the British Library and have a special number. And I didn't know any <laughs> of that kind of stuff. And I just went ahead. You and have to did send I them like, one. Um, I, I've not done so. I don't know what the. I mean, I might. I don't know. There might be some angry librarians that come over and and sort of try and <laughs> try and try and take t- 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 you know, take me down. Um, I don't know. Um, but so th- there were lots of things. There. Well, but with the second we have a distributor on board um and so we're going to be with that uh, that's 50 percent of our run has gone into shops um around yeah there's a few you've got to, be oh. able to pick it up in a few kind of w smith travel things so at airports and you know the eurotunnel a few shops around europe uh, and in and america as well so there's been so the, you know half our print runs got gone there and then the other half is we're selling on uh, online and um it's looking like we might not have might not have printed quite as many or enough of the second issue at the moment the way it's going which is which is great it's, it's fantastic but we're yeah yeah so at the moment issue one is not a rare one <laughs> let's put it that way but uh, but the thing is what we'll do is when we've you know like i said the, the content isn't isn't really go old you know i mean we're going to have a yeah you know, we'll, we'll be selling back uh, back issues i think as we are still you know quite often people that are uh introduced to the to the magazine who haven't seen it before will go oh great i want both issues you know absolutely so and that's they're still selling it's still selling well um, and maybe we'll do sort of get it into shops in with a when with a uh, if we ba- yeah we can combine it with some of the second issue ones so we can buy it as a as an introductory package kind of thing there's there's ways in which that will, that will happen but like i say the second issue uh, is you know is, is, is going exceptionally well um because we've got a we've got a better we've got a better network we've got more people that know about it um we've got a better network we did i did my first show um, at the weekend, where I was, you know, where I was actually selling it and stuff. And my like, God, that's difficult. <laughs> Just yeah, you know, talking, talking to people, you know, uh, and trying to sell magazines and being you know uh, available uh, to talk and stuff all day. is, it's great fun. I mean, you get to meet fantastic people, but oh my god by the end of it you know you know you've done the work you know we had to be up at five to get there and you know and we we finished it about we think we started leaving at about five and honestly i'm surprised you know i didn't sort of just fall asleep on the way on the way home it was was a long long day and it's tiring but but again it's made all the worth it was so worth it when you know somebody comes up and goes oh what's this and they look at it and they go god what this is amazing you know how much is how much is how much is it and they go 10 pound and they go only 10 pounds you're like buy two then <laughs> you know it's just sort of you know there's <laughs> it, it, yeah it's it's really it's really it's really encouraging and yeah i would say it was it was great too we did I, I don't know whether i don't know whether we i've I, never done a show before so i don't know whether we sold enough i don't know whether we sold you know a, a good amount but we we certainly it seemed worth it to me and it was great to get in front of people and great to sort of get, get direct feedback from people as well so yeah i loved it
0: yeah and it's it's, it's brand awareness and all of that, and someone might see it, and then the next time they see it in the shop, they're like, "Oh yeah, 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 I remember." Or I buy that, or or whatever. One thing I noticed when I when I bought these copies is you do two versions, you do two covers. Yes. What was the thinking behind doing that? Well, first and is there a lot more admin to do two covers? <laughs> first of all, it makes my life easier
2: because I have to because I I couldn't choose. Basically, the first issue I couldn't choose which cover I liked. <laughs> the most. Nice. So I, um, and again, going back to sort of like the intricacies of magazine creation, um, when they're, when they're creating, uh, when they're printing something quite often, I think they will either print it, uh, two, ver- two, I think they call it two up. So you'd have two, when they create the plate, there would be, um, there'd be two versions of it on the cover anyway, on the, on the plate anyway. So there would actually be a case where they'd be printing, two two covers each time the paper, a sheet of paper went through so they might as well print two different versions because otherwise they'd just be printing the same cover twice on the same sheet so it doesn't cost any more right. to have two two different covers um, okay. and and I couldn't That's choose weird. so yeah. Again, you have, once you're sort of getting into the nitty gritty of how these things are printed, you can start taking advantage of these things and going, well, actually, well, why, if, if you, it's not going to cost me anymore, why not have two different covers? Because I can't choose. And then also you know, I'm passing the choice onto the customers and most people do choose, but then some people go, I want both as well. Cause I like both of them and I want to collect them all and they want to have these things. So it nice. works brilliantly for me as well, because they go, well, I actually want, I want both of them. So, and again, I, I think I'd be, do, I'd be exactly the same. I'd want, I'd want, I'd want both, I'd want both covers. I'd want to have, I'd want to have a magazine that I was kind of obsessed with. I think I'd want both, both options. So that's what, that's, that's how it, <laughs> I can understand that. I can understand people's obsession with it. So, so yeah, um, very, it's very good that that's, that's, that that's happened. Um, so I would, if, if, if anyone else who was, you know, making, a ma- thinking about making a magazine, yeah, a single make mag or doing whatever they want to do, I would say, um, I would, in, my bit of advice would be do two covers because, um, it means that possibly somebody might buy two two versions of the same magazine so
0: yeah yeah which is absolutely happy days yeah. so i guess one of you're a, a massive bmw fan you've, you've you've now created a bmw magazine has this opened up a world of you've been able to go out and drive I know other people are creating content as well, but get access to things that you are like, oh, I didn't think I would necessarily get that before. Or you're lining up and going, oh, I've been able to drive X, Y, Z.
2: Um, yes, a little bit. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I say I'm have got i, 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 I I'm in charge, so I get to t- I get to take all the bits that are the most fun things, I suppose, and go, well, I want to do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Second issue, we drove a, you know, a three-liter CSL Batmobile. I mean... Just the idea of getting into one of those cars ever is is just it's just phenomenal. Do you know what I mean it's yeah you know, it's such a it's such a treat to be able to to be able to kind of have a go in one of those things. And again, I know that again, I should be thinking about being sort of conscientious and being being a journalist about all these things. but ultimately, I'm like, God, I just want to have a go if <laughs> it's in lots of these cars. And ultimately in mind, that enthusiasm creates a story because you become, you know, because you're, you're, yeah. you're sort of obsessed with it. So it does, it does, it does help. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, those, the, you know, again, the first issue with the E30M3 was in some respects, because it's like, I've never driven.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey.
2: from my point of view, they look, they seem to be sort of the perfect BMW. Let's find out if that is the case. Let's see whether or not they are just as good as the, as, as the hype, whether or not the, the, the current stratospheric values of them is, is, is worth it. And so, yeah, that's absolutely where, you know, where these things these come from. It's like, I want to have a go in them. I want to do these things and I want to, I want to find out these stories. And so if I want to find them out, somebody else must want to hear it. So I'll find it out and tell the story. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is. And again, you know, I, i don't i don't have a I, I don't go on you know fancy launches from BMW. or actually i've been on a single launch from BMW since i um launched the mag so i'm not sort of they're not shipping me all over the world and put me up in fancy hotels and yet. feeding me yet. nice food well no yeah and not yeah and again maybe <laughs> it will never be the case because it's not that sort of magazine you know we're not doing loads and loads of yeah. new car stuff um And so I suppose, yeah, there's an element of, I think there's people sort of think, oh, you've started this magazine, maybe just to sort of like tap into a world where you can get loads of free stuff. And obviously I'm not going to turn down free things, but I'm also not going to discredit the magazine's reputation to to get some free stuff either. It has to be, even though it's about BMWs, it has to be, it still has to have a, a credibility to it. It still has to, when something's bad... It still has to say it's bad, you know. And I don't think we're never going we're never really going to be focusing on anything that is bad about BMW because that's not what people want to read about in a BMW magazine. But if something, if we go, yeah, so this next issue, and it's not something I'm driving, but we've got someone driving the XM for us, and obviously it's in the context of, of mm-hmm. a of a BMW. And I've not we've not had the review back, but I said, you know, if you don't like it, don't think, oh, I've got to say it's nice because it's in the BMW magazine. If you cannot find any redeeming features about this car, that's what we're going to publish you know, and people aren't, you know, that's, that's just the way it, that's, 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 that's the way it is. I'm fascinated by it. I want to know what it's like more so than, you know, from, from, from sort of, from a point of view of, yeah, you know, from someone who likes BMWs, from someone who likes the brand, from someone who possibly kind of likes the idea of a, of a, of an MSUV as well. I'll be, I'll, i fit into that criteria a little bit. Although you know the concept, yeah, you know, this the idea about this is not is something that I'm, dif- I'm finding difficult to come to terms with. But I want to know what it's like, so yeah, let's do that. But if, if there are no redeeming features about it, we'll publish that it's rubbish. You know, that's not just because it's a BMW yeah. magazine. We're not going to be talking about all the best bits about it. You know, that's, that's the way it is. So,
0: so as as a yeah, I'd say hardcore BMW enthusiast, how did you feel and and about the current? state of bmw and design and cars and and where it's gone because i feel like you know we've come into a different era that's a bit different design wise to previously but their cars have changed over the years what do you think about current bmws um i think things like the xm
2: yeah well uh, yeah what i think about i suppose even though i have you know even though i i I basically i mean i should say that i got into graphic design because i'm a failed car designer really i I went to i I, yeah i'm interested in cars (laughs) i wanted to do i was interested in design and i went towards that sort of that part of things and i was encouraged away from it because i wasn't very good at it um so i always i'm always a little bit wary about commenting on car design because even though obviously it's very personal what i like i also know that i haven't got the um, I don't have the authority to talk about it with any sort of credibility. In some respects. I will. I will say things, cars that I like the look of and don't like the look of. Um, but no one should take it with with. A, don't do any. Um, take it seriously at all. Um, I'm also. I. I have this this thing with with me. If I drive a car that I like and I like the way it drives. I'm sold on the way it looks. I don't know what it is about it. You know, I, I, I mean, particularly, th- I think about it sort of like the Civic Type R. I,
0: really? Yeah.
2: I, yeah. I don't. I, it's not a great looking car. So, but every time I look Get at you. one, I'm like, God, that's cool because I know they're so great to drive. And like that would, I'd own one of those. Even, and I, and I think it looks cool now because I know it drives brilliantly. You know, and so I look at and I look at the new M3 and M4, and I, I, I can't say I like it. I can't say that. That I was that I would be the, how I'd want my car to be. I don't think, but I look at it and go, "God, that's so cool!" Because I, I I know they drive so well. And I know that I'd have so much fun if I owned one, and I'd I'd have you know I'd, I'd love it. Um. So so I'm yeah. I that. But then again, I also think we've got with BMW such a big diversion of cars that look great and look terrible. <laughs> If, if you know, I say I will admit I don't. <laughs> I didn't like the way that the M3 and M4 looked. Actually, I like the way the M3 looks much more than the M4. M4 doesn't really work for me, and the CSL really doesn't work for me in, in some respects. Again, I've come around to it because I think it drives brilliantly. But um, I look at that and I think I don't. I don't know. I don't like the way it looks. But then again, I th- the new M2 I think looks fantastic. I know it's kind of that is kind of big, blocky, kind of squared off vents and stuff. I actually think it works really well. I love the way it looks. Um, I think that weirdly, and this is getting, this is going to be a strange one. Well, you're never going to believe I'm going to say this, but I think the new X3 looks great. It's a fantastic looking little SUV. I don't necessarily want one, but I think it looks fantastic. Um, You know, and then we're seeing things like this this um, uh, Z4 touring concept coupe thing that they really released at Villa Deste. Yep. That looks fantastic. XM. Again, I don't necessarily like the way it looks. I don't necessarily like the concept of it. I don't think that this sort of the first standalone M um, product after the M1 should have been some massive, huge SUV. Um, but they'll sell loads of them, I'm sure that. It, and if it means that they can, again, in the, in the you know, where we talk about all these things, when you know we talk about the KL and the McCann with Porsche, if they sell loads, it means they can make GT3s. If they sell loads of XMs, it still means they can make M2s and M3s. Then let them do it let them go ahead and do it to me i you know i, I don't i don't really mind you know it's it's not it's it is, not
0: yeah it is really interesting because like, i look at things like the xm and the ix when that came out and I'm, and you start to get used to, you start to get over time you get used to these shapes and they don't look as weird mm. like the m3 and i 100 had the same experience with the m3 as it sounds like you did i i'm not i'm not sold on the design i think it's like, Yeah, a bit funny. Um, But I drove it, and I was like, yeah, this is actually pretty good. Like, this is is pretty exciting. It drives pretty well. Like, I had a lot of fun in it. So then I look at it and go, oh, yeah, but it's still quite fun to drive. And then how does it stack up versus the competitors? And you go, well, maybe it drives better than the competitors. Oh, okay. Then you end up in a slightly weird situation because you're like, I I don't think I could. Personally, I don't think I could buy. I'm not interested in that type of car at the moment, in terms to buy one. Hmm. Well, like I don't think I could buy one because I'm just I can't get. I couldn't do that last ten percent to get over the the hurdle. And then same with M2. I think the previous M2 was one of the best looking cars around in its time for sure. Like it looked mega. Same yeah. with the previous M3. It looked mega. So like the current one, and you'll hear people saying. Yeah, but the current M three has sold more than any other car. And you go, Well, okay, but that doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily because of its looks. It could be because it drives great, people want to drive an M3. Maybe there's more people, customers for an M three now than there used to be. Maybe the competitors have put four cylinders in their cars.
2: Yeah. Like
0: there's all these factors.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Again, you're absolutely right, and I think there is there is a situation where we where we see there is that, but then also I do wonder whether there is a case where, and again, it's quite weird to think that perhaps the the previous um, M3 was a bit too subtle, but you know, in some respects, the M3 and M4 customers they want they don't want their car to ever be mistaken for a 320D that someone put some M badges on. They want to know that it's an M3 mm-hmm. from from you know 100 miles away that you could just always, if you could see these big gaping grills on the front you're like oh it's an m3 and m4 do you know what i mean it's not you know there's no subtlety to it and i think whether or not that is actually that is really helping its sales in some respects it might not be you and i that think that way but absolutely that is that is possibly it is maybe but we're not the market. buying them. yeah exactly i'm not buying them i mean if i had the money oh, would i buy one Oh, I don't know. I mean, I can, maybe if I was, maybe if I needed a sort of a saloon car and I would, it had, my, I had one car and my only car I'd want a manual though. That's part of the problem. I know that's kind of weird. That makes <laughs> me sound like I'm creaking on. I know that you can you could, they only do, don't do a manual in England, but I just, I cannot, I cannot ever see myself buying a performance car with any sort of automatic gearbox. I just, i just can not a not a dct not a pa- no paddle shift it just doesn't make any sense to me i want to be able to i want to change gears myself because i enjoy doing that um but so yeah that'd be the only thing that would put me off an m3 or an m4 is i'd want a manual one so i mean that sounds whereas an m2 i'm like oh you can get a manual one of those you know but yeah, okay. I yeah, I don't need the back seats at the moment. So let's just forget, it. let's get one of those. But yeah, that was, yeah. Would I buy one? Oh God, they're so good. Now, every time I see someone who's bought one, I think, yeah, you've, 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 you've chosen well. You've chosen well there. But like I say, I don't necessarily like the way it looks. And, but that doesn't matter. It, you know, it doesn't matter necessarily to me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to restrict what goes in the magazine for things that I don't like, do or don't like the look of, if you see what I mean. It's whether they are, of interest, and the the way they look is, p- is part of a story, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's you know mm. there's a possibility. Uh, we one of the features that we'll hopefully do is in more get more and more involved in talking to current designers and older designers of BMWs as well, and talk to them about about what you know about what what is what's happening at BMW, why these cars look the way they do, and the decisions that are being made, and to get more of an understanding about that. Because um, I think also. Uh, yeah will time kind of prove us all wrong all the doubters wrong like like yeah you know, like Chris Bangle's design Maybe. did i mean you know i i did a i did a thing i do a little bit of work with the BMW car club of the UK um and we did a i hosted some uh, events for them uh, and one of the events we did we had um frank uh, frank stephenson who was a designer at BMW in the early 90s and and from the early 90s to the sort of well, throughout the nineties, really, who designed the X5 and then went on to design the um, the new Mini, um, the first generation new Mini, and we were we had basically seventy. 70- years or you know uh bmw's for over 70 years in this in this uh in this environment and we spoke we went around and spoke about them and he was really really damning about the chris bangle era designs he still doesn't like them and doesn't you know didn't like didn't like them then doesn't like them now whereas everyone else has sort of come around to the idea about it and sort of going oh do you know what these are these are quite good and obviously he's a designer he knows what he's talking about he has real genuine sort of you know things to say oh i don't you know i, I don't like this. Um, i don't like these things about them and i can go oh you know we were talking about a 1m it's one of my favorite bmws ever and i think they look so cool they just look amazing and he's going oh i don't like this bit i don't like this bit and i think it's like oh it's like you're you're sort of like stabbing me (laughs) every time you critique i'm like oh my god this is amazing but that doesn't matter that you disagree that's absolutely fine to disagree and again even if i disagree with someone who's actually much more credible than than me when it comes to design i still like the look of it um but yeah, will we think the same way? Quite possibly. There'll be a bunch of designers who don't like them now, who won't like them in the future. But I think maybe the general public and the general attitude will look back and go, oh, you know what, those those M3 grills, they weren't so bad. You know, I don't know.
0: I think, yeah. it's When you get someone like that talk about a design, um, and, and we did a, a podcast ages ago um so oh, if, did, you, yeah. if you're interested in that go and have a listen as uh, so the people listening to this um and you get someone that's really into their design and i i'm i, I quite like design um and but I'm, and I'm quite a details person on various things that i do and whatnot and sometimes when someone points something out you cut you let's say you just can't unsee it and it's it can ruin an object um i can't, I can't remember what I was listening to something recently, and they were were talking about a watch. And it was like the hands on the watch. And it was like a really popular Rolex or something. And the guy was saying, yeah, but the second hand, like, does not touch the seconds or doesn't get close to the seconds or the hours or whatever. And you look at the design, you're like, oh, yeah, it just seems short. And then from then on, like looking at a car, and someone points out that, like, we've got, I think modern BMWs definitely have, they have some slightly funny shapes around bonnets meeting midlines and then, other stuff for whatever reason, the bonnets are all a lot higher and the lines just don't flow across. And as soon as someone points that out, you can't unsee this thing on the front of the car.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And again, it's it's a case where you almost don't want to know too much when it comes to, (laughs) when it comes to these things. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's, it's a, it's a funny one. Again, watches are a really good, really good example of that is that I, I like watches, but I don't know, enough about them and i like watches that i like and i could potentially pick up a watch that is that that is kind of naff within the watch community or the watch world you know i I, you know i i buy i like watches i don't but i don't have many watches at all i only really like um tag tag hoya watches because again i don't know enough about watches and so you sort of i have this one brand that that i'm kind of associated with if i started learning more i'm sure i'd expand my knowledge about all sorts of other things and i would and i'd and i'd learn about it but if i but if i i I know that if i did that possibly the watches that i have now that i currently own i'd look back i look at them and go oh no that's just a bit that's just a bit naff now. I don't like that. Or I don't, or or I've spotted this Maybe. detail or that's not as cool as I thought it was, and it's it's not as interesting. I like the way they you know, it's a really superficial my interest in watches. Um so I sort of and I just I think I'm I can't I can't I can't afford to know anymore. So I'm gonna sit back and just sort of just enjoy the bits yeah. that I like. And someone will go, well, oh, that's a cool watch, or someone will look at it who knows about it, watch it might go, Oh, that's a really naff watch. But I don't know, I'm oblivious <laughs> to it all, so I'm fine at the moment. But it happens with cars, and you know, it is yeah you see people sort with of cars yeah, you see with, people have who have you know an obsession with one brand and I know i've run a bmw magazine and therefore you would think that i'm maybe only interested in bmws i'm not i have a i like all sorts no of cars. but you're a
0: journalist so you like porsches as well
2: oh yeah I do, yeah i mean <laughs> I, I will admit that when i started being a journalist I started working at Eva, I'm, like, I'm gonna be that one person who doesn't like porsches everyone else like porsche i'm gonna be i'm gonna yeah, be whatever. different i'm gonna be I'm gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna be different and i drove one i went damn it i are really good <laughs> what am i gonna do here i'm gonna have to like these yeah and yeah they're all they're mostly all brilliant so that's that's a pain um but yeah um but yeah but you see it in people who only like one type of one type of car or one type of anything one one argument in a in a in a in a debate whatever it might be and you sort of think well if you know more you'd be you'd, you'd, you'd open your horizons more and and that, you know and it's okay to not know more it's okay to be completely oblivious to the rest of it and go do you know what I like this yeah. this one thing I'm totally okay with that but also as long as you know that as long as you're aware and you're familiar that you are only interested in one thing it doesn't matter that you don't like Porsches but admitting that they might be good is fine but you don't have to like them that's fine
0: yeah yeah, this this blinkered attitude, which I I don't see very often now, and it can be in any, literally around any aspect of life, but just going like, this is what I like, this is how I like it. We I think we see it a lot with EVs at the moment, and lots of people listen to this and not EV fans. Fair enough, whatever. Blah 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 blah. But like, we've got to be able to talk about and acknowledge that these other things exist if you're a ferrari person you and you might go yeah everything else is rubbish or you might go oh, i'm a porsche person or a bmw person everything else is rubbish in reality is that's just not the case in any way shape or form is it you you need to be able to listen to everyone else and hear what they're saying and go yeah interesting i might shift my opinion a little bit and it's all like a i, I sort of have I'm on, somewhere on my automotive journey Along with, with watches and whatever, all this sort of stuff. You're on a journey, and you start in one place with zero knowledge, and then you get attracted to, I don't know, big shiny fast things or whatever it is. And then as you learn more and whatever, you might be interested in older stuff. And then all these things change and ebb and flow, and and different things become important. Where are you at the moment? Do you think on your automotive headspace journey? Like, what are you liking and why? Where have you been? Oh okay yeah so I think I I kind of almost went the other
2: way and so my again like I say my automotive journey it's been from birth basically it was you know it was that's what but I think I <laughs> yeah. I went into when I first started when I first I went into old cars first old cars were sort of the thing that I that I that I was most interested in and I I bought a uh, a 1975 BMW 1602, which is a sort of like the first. Actually, my, my first car I ever bought was a was a 67 uh, Volkswagen Beetle when I was. 13 12 13 and had grand plans nice. to do it up and nice. to have it ready for i was i loved Beatles when i was when i was younger and i loved you know and i i, I love yeah beetle you know, vw magazines and i i love i love that scene it was very very accommodating to someone who couldn't drive and who was young and it was fun and it was you know and i liked it a lot yeah. um but i kind of grew out of it before i even got to 17 which was you know, so i sold the car without having ever really driven it um and so i so i i i I jumped, I, I sold that and then I bought a, when I was I think 19, bought a 1602 BMW and I was interested in old cars and, um, and I'm still, am interested in old cars. I love, I love, um, I love the the simplicity of old cars. I love driving old cars. I love in some respects kind of how crap they might be some of the time as well. That's <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that I don't mind. Um, uh, and, and so, yeah, but then when I started again, Evo changed the attitude a little bit because I started driving lots and lots more new cars Um and at the time I think it was 2012-13 when I started and I started driving brand new cars then and loving loads of those and also then started driving kind of the more modern classics some of the older stuff as well kind of early 2000s type things and sort of went into that kind of thing and I think I've probably gone i go backwards and forwards a little bit between that kind of like 2000s and the kind of brand new modern cars and thinking you know, they're, they're the best but always having sort of older cars in the background as well they're always sort of it's always yeah. there for me because i think they're they're interesting i think they're they offer something such so wildly different to, to anything you could experience almost not in the same way not even what cars are in the same sort of way they're kind of a completely different entity in, in some respects um so yeah, I think at the moment I probably I'm having a bit of a reaction to kind of brand new stuff. I think I think I think I think lots of car enthusiasts are, and it's not so much EVs that I have an issue with. Um, I think there are some brilliant EVs. I think we, I think my problem with lots of EVs is that it seems like manufacturers are are, are kind of they've got they've, they've got carried away with all this control that they can have. With EVs that they couldn't previously have with um, with with petrol cars, and this instant torque, and they can meter out the, the specific amounts of torque in a way that they could never do before, and torque vectoring, and all those sort of things. And We've created these kind of these objects that are sort of possibly objectively too good, um, and it takes away the control of the driver a lot of the time. And I think, yeah, you know, I think uh, being you know Tesla's quite often. You, I find it very much with them, and certainly with sort of like BMW's SUVs, the iX, and um, some of those sort of things as well. I just sort of think, and and other manufacturers as well, not just not just those, um, but then also we've seen a bit of, a bit of the more, you know the net newest generation of things. We're seeing a bit of a reaction to that, I think, a little bit. And again, the BMW i four, the Taycan, and the Audi e tron starting to introduce a bit more of that kind of relinquishing a bit of kind of computer control and giving it back to the driver you can you can make more mistakes in these cars but it means yeah. you, it feels like you have more control on them. it starts to feel like actually driving again feels so like, like the things that i like about driving okay you don't get the You don't get the um, the engine noises, you don't get the sort of sounds and the smells, and you don't get an automatic, you get a manual gearbox, all the things I really enjoy. Um, But actually, like, actually appreciating them for not just being these technical marvels, but also appreciating them for being actually really, really, really fun to drive. I mean, maybe they'll never take over from sort of some of the older stuff. But yeah, there's, there's a reaction to that. And I think, yeah, so that's, I'm, I'm appreciating those a little bit. I'm on the EV side of stuff. I'm a little bit like, well, if cars, if EVs are going to be what the, what the future is, roads will still need to exist. And so there will be places to drive older cars. And as long as we can get the fuel for them somehow, whether it's synthetic mm-hmm. or whatever, then I'm totally on board with whatever it wants to change. If new cars, you know, we, ten again, 10 years ago, Maybe even longer. We all thought that by now, all new cars would be terrible, and that we would have nothing fun, nothing interesting, nothing. Yeah. You know, we thought that would be the case. But look at what's look at what you can buy brand new. You know, look at uh, what Porsche, the GT department make. Look at the M two. It's still still a rear wheel drive, manual gearbox. Petrol engine, six-cylinder petrol engine at the front. Okay, it's turbocharged; it's not naturally aspirated. But that's about the only thing that doesn't sort of like tick all the boxes of being sort of the best yeah. driver's car. You know, GT, you know, GT fours, GT threes. What Ferrari's creating at the moment as well. I mean, I know there might be hybrids, but they're just amazing. You know, we've got we, it's the, the the landscape of of new cars is not the dirge and boringness that we thought it would be. You know, and give it. Let's give it ten years. Let's see what's happened. We might be we might be in a completely, we might be in the same situation. We go, oh, we were wrong. We were wrong. It all look amazing. Yeah. We've got this amazing bunch of cars. Fingers crossed that is the case. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not all doom and gloom about it. I think there is, I think there's lots to, we've been proven wrong when we sort of said that the things are going to, Yeah, things are going to be boring. Um, and maybe there isn't a yeah. the sort of intensity of brilliant cars as there was in early 2000s. Perhaps that's, yeah, perhaps it's, that, is, that is, that is not that's quite right. the case, but there's but there a lot is still of good some,
0: stuff though, isn't yeah. there? And, I think there is a sense amongst my sort of friends that, like, possibly all of the best cars that we're going to come across have been made in the past, whether it's ten years ago or twenty years ago, or whatever. Which, I, you know, like, I, I don't. I think that statement is just incorrect because manufacturers are making better cars. They might be different, but they're, they're faster and whatever, and blah 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 blah. And your your point, I thought your point about the the control elements of a car, like we've lost some. It's interesting, actually, because I was suddenly thinking about traction control, like ignoring EV EVs. When we started seeing traction control in cars, like early traction control or traction control, even in like, let's say like a GT3. Uh, I've got a 997 Gen 2 RS. That, the traction control of that is like pretty good, but it's quite intrusive. And actually you, wanna, you can, if you want to drive moderately quickly, you probably would drive like half off um, and then it's fine. But there was this whole era, especially around um, the paddle gearboxes and stuff of the Ferraris and, and whatever. you drive those early single clutch or DCT and those cars. and you hit a, there's so much that gets in the way of driving, yeah on those cars.
2: Yeah, I think... So, certainly with... with but then uh, we, we look back at it. Yeah, we had... I used to have... We, again, uh, we used to have discussions, again... With, about cars, when I worked at Evo, and with lots of drivers and my friends as I well, we all talk about it often and talk about when was the best era for cars. And lots of those <laughs> would sort of yeah, you'd be some of the older generation of like oh, it's the eighties, you know, when cars sort of started getting good. Lots of them was, yeah. like, no, no, it was the nineties, and I think possibly early two thousands in two thousands maybe really where it was where it where it peaked. And I think I've, I've sort of said this. This before and I've written about I've written about this, but I think the reason you know and people and then you know the guys that sort of defend the nineties like yeah, but we didn't have traction control. I'm like yeah, but you can just find me a car of the 2000s where you can't turn the traction control off. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you don't like traction control, you just turn it off. Sure. You know, and and actually most of the time when you're driving, you drive with it on because most of the time you're not driving. You want that sort of security net, and you want that sort of you want that that ability to sort of to have. To not have to worry a little bit so even when it's crap in some respects it's better than if it, if you're caught unawares maybe it's, it's it's good to have it but 100 seeing these sort of like seeing the difference between yeah like i say the traction control that just sort of like cuts cuts the power and you know hits the brakes or whatever from the sort of 2000s up to you know the things the traction control on again uh, the new new M3 and things like uh, you know, where you've got 10 stages of traction control off yeah. you know you can you can do that and you've got things like the uh, the McLaren with the kind of drift control the 720S yeah. with the sort of yeah with that drift control kind of thing and I have to admit, I've never actually used that so I don't know how effective it is as a, <laughs> as a as a thing but um you know and those sort of things you just think well things have things develop and things develop in the way that actually that I would want them to develop, you know, they didn't sort of go, well, traction control is crap, so we're just going to keep it crap if people can just turn it off. These, all these manufacturers went, traction control might not be as good as we want it to be. As technology changes, we'll make traction control better and better and better and better and more interesting. And we'll allow, what we'll do is we'll allow sort of like more slip and more, allow sort of cars to go sideways a bit with the traction control still on. We'll still allow like to turn it off, but we'll allow this sort of like, we'll allow up to and everything in between. And that's, I mean, you know, what... It just goes to prove that there are people that are working at these companies who are just as interested in the same things as we are, and just as irresponsible some of the time as we are as well, maybe. Yeah. Um, and it's great fun. I think you know they're all they are lots of the time still trying to have fun with these cars. They're still trying to inject fun into them, and that is ultimately what we need and what we want to see. And I want to see it. And I think it's yeah, it's, it's quite often going in the in the right way.
0: Yeah, and that is a very good point, actually. Like, traction control has been like modern traction control is designed by people that want to be hooligans. Like they (laughs) are, you uh, like in an ideal world for me, I would have traction control on the entire time. There is an element of me that's like, yeah, I want to be the hero, but like have it off and I never notice it and it's never doing anything until I really need it. And then it saves me from hitting a solid object. That's, that's the traction control and everywhere in between. If it's getting in the way of just driving around and you turn it off, therefore it's kind of pointless because you've just turned it off and you've, you're have you going to hit whatever. But the number of people that crash their cars now on the way home from the dealership or within a week, a new Ferrari or something, you know, you've, you've done well in life, you've sold a business or whatever, and you've gone out and bought a F8 or an 812, and you've decided that you're going to turn everything off because, you know, whatever. And then on cold tires, you get 800 horsepower. And that's it. <laughs> Your car is gone. <laughs> it yeah. happens far too often.
2: Yeah, it does. And again, it's, it's probably, yeah, it does. And I mean, I, there's, I can't remember. I think it might have been BMW, again, on a launch I did a long time ago, talking to people about the information they get back from when cars are um, the cars are service and they get to they get to know they can download all the information about how many times the engine's been put in sport or sport plus and all that sort of thing and how many times the traction control has been turned off and the, the there is obviously a, a bunch yeah. of people that do crash them when they turn off but there's also a bunch of people who a very very large proportion of proportion people who never once turn the traction control off in their car and i suppose yeah. in some respects that either means that but maybe what it means is that, that, that it's been developed correctly, that no one felt the need to turn it off, that they that they drove it around and never once sort of came on or interfered with what they were doing and they felt absolutely happy to, to have it off. Or they were also, quite rightful, rightly, sometimes terrified about turning it off because there are some cars that are really tricky when you turn the to Control off. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. But that's that's kind of the joy of it sometimes as well.
0: Yeah, and you, and you, never, you don't get to see the full car until you have everything off. And I'm not saying you should turn everything off, but especially modern high horsepower stuff, they're so trick at managing the power through the gears and through everything. And with traction control on, they just nibble away little bits here and there. You don't feel like you've done anything. You feel like you've, like in a modern Ferrari in sport, which is like the sort of normal setting, if you put your foot down, it will just go as fast as it thinks it can go in a straight line. You'll get no tyre slip whatsoever. But that is nowhere near full power. Like nowhere near.
2: But then again, if, then if, with the traction control, oh, you nudge off. it up and
0: you start to get a bit of slip and stuff.
2: Yeah, but then you start to start getting... Then you put of it up, you all, everything power. off and
0: you've just lit them up standing still.
2: Yeah, so <laughs> you get full power, but you don't go anywhere because you just you just vaporise yeah. your tyres. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I I, I love... I, I, I love i love being a bit of a a bit silly in cars i love i love i love it experimenting without the traction control i think it's you know that that's kind of part of the thing that i enjoy about cars and again i enjoy the cars that i enjoy the most are cars that i can take sort of Within the yeah, you know, within the reason, take beyond their limit a little bit and start to ex- and start to experiment with 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 how they are and start to feel like I'm more in control than the car is, and I think they're the ones that are the best where you get to where you get to do that. And I suppose that going back to sort of like my obsession with wanting a manual gearbox is that. having the most amount of fun because i feel like i want to be in more in control and it's probably sort of it's maybe an arrogance maybe when it comes to driving who knows but you know i don't i want to be i want to be the core ingredient to whatever happens i don't want to be feel like i was secondary to it and if that and you know and feeling a car wheel spin feeling a car go a bit sideways and and manipulating it into that position and and controlling it they are all the things that i enjoy absolutely the most about about it, and if a car doesn't do that, or if I can't do that in a car, it doesn't mean it's a bad car. I suppose it just doesn't fit the criteria of it being a fun car. And so, quite often, and that's that's also fine because most of the time, how often are you driving around like that? You are just not are you? I mean, even you know, even if I like doing, it, I can't pretend that every way, every day of my morning to work, um, <laughs> <you laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not doing that. You know, that's that's not that's not that's not reality, but. When I want to do it, I, when I, yeah, you know, when the environment cre- is created, when I yeah, you know, if I'm on a track certainly, or if you know, if I've got my favourite corner that's yeah, you know, well sighted and I can see that, I think oh, you know, I just have a little a little play around here. That's what I want to do. But if I can't do that, then I don't want that car. I know that sounds possibly a little bit um, a, a bit a bit juvenile possibly, but um, yeah, you know, that's that that's me. <laughs> so that's I'm happy with that.
0: But I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think that is that is. It Definitely, is, you, you know you go along your say this automotive journey, but I'm not I'm not going to turn this into some sort of catchphrase. But like being in control of a car and you dictating what it does and how it does it is fun. Yeah, that is yeah. fun. If you if you are in a car and you're telling it to do something and it's not doing it, that sets off alarm bells. Whether it's like you're trying to turn in and it's just like horrifically understeering or or whatever, or you might be in a PDK equipped Porsche and you've taken it to a Porsche experience center. I've done this recently and they're like, oh yeah, you can like drift around this circle or whatever. But because it's an automatic and it's not the GT3 one, you have no way of having any sort of clutch kick or anything. You've got no handbrake. You've got no way of breaking traction at the rear artificially or sort of adding to it. Yep. So The car revs out and then you're going too fast and then you're understeering and then it eventually the boost comes in and maybe you're oversteering. That is not fun. That's kind of scary. Whereas if you're in control of the elements and it does the things, then it's fun and it's fine.
2: Yeah. And again, I think, again, I know, like you say, I'd I make a joke about it, me being a bit juvenile. And I suppose there is an element about it that is a bit juvenile because actually what we're talking about is having fun. We're not talking about seriousness. We're not talking about yeah. making sure that... It's expensive that, you know, toys. Yeah, absolutely. They are, aren't they? That is that is what... We buy them because they are fun and we, we enjoy them. And if it doesn't... If, if, it, if it isn't fun, like you say, if you're doing these things that you're trying to do something silly and it won't play ball because it's been created to be too sensible... Then it's not a very good toy. And I know that's not, you know, again, like I say, yeah, exactly. I'd make a terrible consumer journalist because you know talking to someone about how you can't get it to oversteer is not reasonable, rational advice you give someone. But that's what you sort of want in a car some of the time. And I think that's okay to to admit that. I think there are sometimes there is you know, and again, there are there are certain publications in certain Colleagues of mine and friends that I've got who sort of look at me sometimes and kind of shake their head at what a know what, what a what a what a child you're being about all this sort of stuff and I'm like well yeah but I'm not the only one there are a bunch of people that also are just like me who who you know who want to have who want these cars to be silly and I live in a family of people who we're all basically just sort of go you know we want it's got to be it's got to be fun it's got to be it's got to be you know we can have yeah. boring and interesting cars we drive in, driving about fun cars have to be just that bit a bit silly a bit over the top a bit wild some of the time yeah they're the they're the best ones to have absolutely
0: 100 um i'm conscious that we're we're ticking along on the time <laughs> um so I, I normally wrap this up with five questions um do you have the most memorable driving trip or journey
2: um ooh, okay and I I, I, I I do i know i I, I listened to your podcast, so I knew these questions were coming, and I should have been more prepared because the problem is, is these these things change almost on a daily basis. Um, I suppose That's the point, yeah, it is. You know, I, I have my most memorable memorable car, but so it's my most memorable trip I ever I ever did. Um, I went away on my own to Europe in my. I had a I changed my sixteen oh two for a two double oh two. It was a, I kind of reshelled it and all those things, and I took it away. I was away for about a week or so um just on my own just driving i went into holland down through germany you know into austria went through the alps through switzerland came back via the Nurburgring and spa and just had you know just did all the things that you kind of want to do on a on a on a car journey and i've done lots of the same mm. things since but never kind of either not in my own car or not done them all in the same sort of in the same way and and so that was probably sort of like the one of the most memorable trips i've done i've had so many brilliant drives in um in in cars that that i've done through work as well that that are that are fantastic so I, it's, it's, it's almost too many to list so but 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 i will i'll do i will do that one i'll well, i'll stick with as being sort of the biggest most memorable one and one of the most fun that I've, yeah. I've had yeah
0: and you're that so that car you've you've now turned it into a 2002 is that right yes yeah, or, so, or you bought a 2002
2: well i i bought so the 1602 i bought when i was 19 i then bought a 2002 touring and got so i could get a two liter engine from it and got a load of other bits from that car and then um, i ran that 1602 with two liter in it for a bit um and then the shell needed some work doing to it and i ended up finding another shell which was this 2002 that i got um and so then put all the stuff onto that and then drove that around for which is what i went away in and then when i started working at evo and i was driving more and more cars and i didn't need um I didn't need my car as much because it was my everyday car. That's what I used every day. That was my normal car, yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't need a car as much. I took it off the road and completely restored it, um, and I I, I, I kind of, it, I painted it blue. It was red before, and I, and I went a bit mad with it. I put a cage in it, and it's got, um, it's got you know, Group Five Bilstein dampers on it. It's got uh it's got a five-speed gearbox with a a limited slip diff it's got more power it's got big carbs it's got yeah it's it's i've turned it into something that's that's ridiculous now and it's not great to drive (laughs) long distances but it's also great fun i say it's you know i i went up to um uh yorkshire last year in it and with with again another great drive with a bunch of kind of work work colleagues um aston parrot and uh Drew Gibson and Dickie Meaden and we all just went up there with a bunch of other people and we started, yeah, we we just drove around Yorkshire Moors, which we would normally do on sort of road tests and things like that. So it was a bit like a busman's holiday, but in our own cars and we were paying for our own fuel. It was and our own dinner. It was a terrible, it was terrible. Um, But no, we had loads of fun and we had, yeah, and that and that sort of and you know driving it there, it was terrible driving it up there. It it does about (laughs) it does 60 miles. It's got no sound deadening. It's it does about three and a half thousand RPM at six 60, 000, uh, at sixty miles an hour because it's got a low ratio diff in it. It's got a tiny fuel tank, so it had to fuel up twice just to get into Yorkshire. It was just—I mean, there's so many things about it that are just <laughs> awful. But then I got there, and it was amazing. Just you know, as soon as you get it onto some you know fast roads, it's great. Small, small—you know, little tight corners, it's wonderful too. I just yeah, and I'm—I suppose so much of how I learned to drive, driving fast or whatever it might be, I learned to do that in that car, even though it's very kind of different now that it was it's still the same car and it still broadly behaves in the same way um and so I feel so comfortable in it. I can just sort of I can just you know I can just drive it how I want to do it and and I can I feel it does everything I want it to do and it's just yeah it's huge huge fun so so any car any driver having that is one of the some of the most memorable things I get to do as well so yeah
0: brilliant do you think do you think you've taken it too far or you're like no this is great Oh yeah, taking it too far. It depends what no that's maybe not that's
2: <laughs> that's in some respects, yes, so I made it too nice I'm terrified of driving it when I'm not okay. driving it, I think I don't want to drive it. you know, I spent so many hours date, months, years making it perfect, and every time I drive it, obviously it gets a bit dirtier or it gets a bit worn or it gets a bit yeah. I'm, I'm eroding that all that work I put into it <laughs> so every time I think about driving I think god I don't want to do that it's just going to be such a pain I'm going to have to oh god whatever. then I get in it and I drive it and I forget all about that shit like it's it's just it's just the most fun and I forget all about sort of being precious of it and I drive it fast and I drive it how I want to drive it and all those things go out the window so when I'm driving it it's fine but but yeah, I, I certainly took it too far in that sense. And the you know I say, I can't, like I say, I wouldn't want to go down to Austria in it. And I could, certainly could persuade my girlfriend to come with me because she'd be like, absolutely not. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> An hour is about as much as you really want to do in it. Um, but then again, at the same time, I think, well, you know, I still enjoy, I still want to do those things. I've, you know, I could just, tow it somewhere. Put it on a trailer, tow it to the place I want to drive it and drive it there. You know I mean that's maybe a more expensive way of doing it. But I don't want to change it. I don't want it to I don't want to start putting yeah. I don't want to put a high ratio different. I don't want to put you know sound editing it. Yeah, you know, when I drive it, it's so good the way it is that I don't want to change it. I just want to change how I drive it or how I get it to these places rather than driving it yeah. to them. I'll trailer it there maybe. I don't know. I mean it's a bit ridiculous. It's a bit over the top but then again I've Got used to being that person that sometimes does the most ridiculous thing, like starting a magazine. No one else starts. You know, very few people who go, "I'll start a magazine." I don't mind. Twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't mind being that person that just does the sort of slightly bonkers thing, and everyone looks at me like I'm a bit insane. I've got used to that. That's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there is a lot in having a car that's that's like that hit that you go, "I'm going to drive this for." I might only want to drive this for half an hour or an yeah. hour or a couple of hours and then I'd probably never want to don't want to see it for an, at least a week but that hour that 30 minutes that 20 minutes on the right road it's so good that you don't care and you're yeah. like that's great it can go away and and you will not get that hit out of the blancmange family wagon no matter how many horsepower it's got like it you don't get it so don't even try
2: <laughs> and absolutely I, like I say when we were talking about kind of My car journey, and I said, like the classic cars are always there, sort of in the background, and that's because I always think there is, there is something so different about them, and so it's such an event when you drive them. That if you're going to have your fun car, the thing that you're going to do that you're going to drive as for for special for a special occasion, so you that thing you're going to enjoy driving it wants to be so different from the things that you drive on a day-to-day basis. It wants to be, you know, and, and that's what that car is for me. I like get in it and it makes a noise like nothing else. I come out of it smelling like fuel. It drives in no, in, in a completely different way. I have to be very, actually have to be very determined with how I drive it because, you know, the diff in it's too aggressive or well, so aggressive. It's not too aggressive. It's so aggressive. You just have to learn and work your way around it. And there are things about that, you know, that you have to drive around. You have to drive around certain problems and we don't do that so often in modern cars because they've been so well-developed um but actually yeah. the bits that are kind of are a problem are actually kind of things that i enjoy the most about it and i think that's yeah i i, and I, I love that and i love having having a car that's so wildly different in my you know that i could that i can that i, could, that I could get to use even if i don't use it very often but it is such a such an event and such fun when i do get to use it so yeah
0: yeah it sounds fun if you could only drive one car for the rest of your life a sports car What's it going to be?
2: Well, I mean, I should say, obviously, my 2.0.2, that would be. But I think I've just told you why I don't want to drive that every day.
0: Um, you know, I spent all yeah, the time. Yeah, so you're of- going to tell me a 911?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I Oh, am I am I going to tell you a 911? I mean, I love, there's so many 911s, I love it. I, I, I hope one day that I get to maybe buy uh, a 996 GT3 Gen 1. I love those a lot, but would I want to drive that every day? Would I, would I? Is it, it? Are there other cars that I feel more comfortable in? And again, I should choose a BMW, shouldn't I? And I probably would. I think, um, I I think there's a, you know, I think maybe in reality, you know, feeling comfortable in a car and understanding a car, just and everything about it. Again, there's there's bits about the, like the those GT3s that I love, um, but there's things about them that I. That always take me a little getting used to it. maybe if I drove it every day it wouldn't be a problem but I think if I could have I'm a little bit fickle as well with these things while well. I'm sort of so in the second issue we did um CSLs and the M3 E46 M3 CSL is just about one of the most perfect things. But of course, to me, mm. gotta have a manual gearbox. And I have driven a manual ma- a, a one with a with a manual conversion. And it was pretty much, you know, if I could drive one car every day, I think that would be it. A manually converted M3 CSL. If that's if I can yeah. do that. If I if I can if I can modify something slightly to, to fit the criteria, then that that's would right. be that would be it. Yeah, that would be probably maybe a 1M. If not, if I could, if I wasn't allowed to modify something, possibly but that would be, yeah, but I think an M3 CSL with a manual gearbox. If you ask me next week, there'll be something different, but that's so far, currently today, that's what right. I think, yeah.
0: Right, most undervalued car at the moment?
2: Ooh, good question. Again, I'm going to go with the BMW because I spend so much of my time sort of thinking about it and talking about it. And I'm sure there are ones that are better, but uh, first generation 8 series, E31 8 series, they seem wildly undervalued to me. They seem like such... A, a so distinctive, so iconic, and such brilliant cars as well. You know the fact that you can get uh, the the absolute best one, the eight hundred and fifty CSI. So kind of got a motorsport engine in, you know, manual gearbox, V twelve, pop up headlights. Oh I my, mean, you know, got, you can lower down all the windows on the on you know on each side. So you've got these big opening things. I mean, they're so fantastic. But I think you can probably get one yeah. of those for sort of like 50,000 pounds, and I know that's a lot of money, don't get me wrong. I don't think for a minute that I mean, I've certainly not got enough money to buy one, um, but that's the absolute pinnacle of that car, and that's only 50,000 pounds, and they're really rare as well. And it just feels like it feels like you look at it and you go, well, That could be in the grand scheme of things about what you know, what cars are you know, what cars you know, we've, we're seeing such a big resurgence of 90s modern classic type stuff that to me, yeah. If someone said to me, if I, before I looked into it, said that was a, an eight fifty CSI was one hundred and fifty grand, I'd go, okay, that sounds about right. But they're fifty grand. They're you know they're sort of, you know, and you get an, uh, an eight forty and an eight fifty. Again, also brilliant cars. They're nowhere near as you know. They're nowhere near that sort of money. That would be, I think they're, I think they're kind of, I think they're undervalued. Certainly at the at the moment.
0: That yeah. is a really cool shape. I, like yeah. looking at those now, I go, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: It looks like nothing else, does it? It Smart doesn't look that. like anything else as well. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, it's as distinctive as, well, maybe not quite a Tesserossa, but it's got that kind of like, you know, it, it's so it's so yeah. immediately recognizable from a distance. And they're so impressive, so imposing, but also so good looking as well. And also it turns out they're yeah they're, that they're really good. Then yeah, absolutely. I think that would be, yeah, that would be, be amazing. When you think, I suppose, yeah, another Porsche that I really, really like, is a nine six eight club sport that would be sort of on my list of things I'd I'd love to. I've never actually driven one, but mm. I think I'd I think I'd probably really quite like one. You know, they're they're sort of they're they're again they're rare and they're individual and they're special, but they're you know, they've got a four cylinder engine and I love a four cylinder engine. Don't get me wrong, but most people don't don't in the would always choose a V twelve over a four cylinder. Um, and yeah. do you think they're sort of the the nine six eight is probably just a little bit more expensive, possibly that and I just yeah. think that's you know that's that seems mad to me a little bit when you compare the two to one another I think you know the 850 CSI should be should be wildly more expensive than that
0: yeah but yeah super cool right most interesting car to you at the moment
2: what brand new car
0: Don't or, know. <laughs> googling looking up
2: um <laughs> yeah most interesting car to me at the moment I suppose oh god that's already really. Uh, really difficult question, because I suppose I'm I'm kind of fascinated by um, by the lots of these kind of uh, electric hypercars and stuff. Whether or not I like them or not, I suppose I'm fascinated by them. And I think that, you know, the Rimac particularly has... And again, it's not really. I'm not the world's biggest sort of like hypercar and supercar fan, particularly. I mean, I love, I love them. I love they exist and stuff. But I don't think I'd, you know, in my dream garage, I don't think I'd ever really necessarily. I'd have to have a lot of things before I bought one, and certainly before I bought an electric one. But I think the the idea of them and where they're going with them and what they're trying to do. With them, and again, I think the Rimac is a really interesting one because it feels like that they've got a bunch of people there that are that are trying to make them fun as well. They've not yeah. just gone, "Oh, we can, we've got all this technology, we've got all this power, we've got all these things, and we're just going to make a really, really fast hypercar kind of thing." And they're making something that looks a bit a bit fun and a bit wild, and you know, and I, I love the fact that I think is it as Rimac involved with uh, is uh, make Ma- Ma- Rimac involved with Bugatti at the moment as well. Because again, I love the, yeah. the idea of a Veyron and a Chiron. They look great, but they don't look like fun cars to me. I love them as objects and as things, but they don't look all that fun to me. And I sort of think, you know, again, yeah. it'd be nice if he can, in rather than just technology, he can inject some fun into those and things. So yeah, I suppose it's not so much that that the, 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 the I think the most, Interesting. I'm just sort of fascinated by them because they feel like such an alien concept to me. But at the same time, there are people involved in there that, that seem to be seem to be doing all the right things. Uh, you know. Then also, you know,
0: and I- they are like proper petrol heads. I don't. It's not. I'm not even the right word, but probably. But like real serious car enthusiasts. Totally, like Mate oh, Really is. And yeah. like him joining, like the you know the two Bugatti and and Rimac coming together. You can hear, I've heard him talking a little bit about sort of future of Bugatti and you can tell he's really excited about making some rowdy combustion engines. And you're like, well, I'm interested to see what you want to come out of Bugatti because you're doing this electric stuff, but we know you love combustion at the same time. So like, let's see.
2: Yeah, again, it's like going back to that thing where they we're always saying about traction control is that the the right people are involved in these things, that the same people that think like we do are actually involved in these things. And although technology and legislation, all these things will impose their will on, on the car industry, the people that are involved, the people that are actually at the core of all of this, they're the ones that are sort of, they're, they're leading the way with it. And they're going to be the most, They're going to they're going to find their way to make the fun, the bits that we find fun. They're going to make their way, they're going to find those things a way to make those get those into the cars of the future. So, uh, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Like, one of the things, I don't know why I've suddenly thought about it, but like this technology can be more fun. For example, I think rear wheel steering is brilliant. Like, it's it's an amazing thing. It's often on a heavy car to blah, 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 blah whatever, but it makes the cars more agile. A really good e-diff is. Significantly better than any sort of mechanical diff because it's you can either have it locked or not, and you can decide exactly when it does all of these things. So you end up with a car that's so much more adjustable, turns in so much better to a corner, and then locks up when you want it to. Like, there's a lot of tech that can make driving a lot more fun.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, absolutely. Yeah, there's uh, the the te- technology is again, it's so easy. Again, like I say, it's so easy. Particularly as someone who likes classic cars and likes cars, you know, from the modern classics type stuff as well, it's, and the environment that I can be in, and there's so much of the sort of the, the car community that doesn't like sort of what's happening with the modern stuff, and like you said, it doesn't like what's happening with EVs and things like that. And I absolutely, I can totally understand it from from a from a point of view from their point of view. I I, I know, and I can I can see it, but I also I don't think we should worry. That's basically my attitude. I don't think we should worry about. About yeah. any of these things, because the right people are there, the right people are involved in these things, and we, we'll have we'll have fun stuff to drive for a long time. I hope.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. Final question: Five car yeah. garage, unlimited value.
2: Right. Okay. So I don't. Is it, I suppose what I, I suppose I'm going to have to have a classic, a modern classic. I'm going to have to have something that's maybe sort of usable every day, and then I'm going to have sort of I suppose. Uh, some sort of motorsport car and then maybe something kind of completely wild or off off key so i, I mean within my five car garage i've got to have my two double two i spent too much i can't ever get rid of it so it's yeah. got to if i'm only having five cars i've got to have it in there and like i said that's gonna do my classic sort of thing that's gonna be the that's mm-hmm. gonna be what it is uh the modern classic probably you know m3 csl with the manual conversion obviously that's yeah we've, we've spoken about that but again that space yeah. could easily be an e30 m3 maybe it could be a Nine nine six GT three as we said, um, but at the moment we'll stick with the M three. That'll be you know, and perhaps I'll use my other my other spaces for those other cars. Um, something practical, uh, you know. I suppose it's probably a massive cliche, but I would probably have a Range Rover of some sort. I mean, I love Range Rovers. You know, yeah. My, my dad's always loved Range Rovers as well. It's always one of the things that 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 we've had. So probably, and it probably wouldn't be a new Range Rover. It'd probably be an L three two two, maybe a you know, a V eight one. Supercharged V eight, but looked possibly like it nice. Maybe looked like a um, a diesel straight six, possibly one of those early ones. I don't know, <laughs> something like that. Because uh, I think the way they look was 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 great. Maybe um but yeah so that would be i'd probably have I'd probably have one of those i've got a manual x5 which i have despite the fact it's old and you know and silly and not 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 desirable to anyone but me it seems um i absolutely fallen in love with this car completely and so possibly that'd be the only thing that would push that range Rover out of that out of that spot maybe um <laughs> so then i've got my two i've got a motorsport car possibly yeah maybe i'll have my e30 m3 i want an e30 m3 group a car whether I want it, do I want a rally one or do I want a touring car version? Can I have one that's sort of like an interchange? <laughs> I just want, I want a group yeah, group, yeah, yeah, yeah. Group A, A30 M3 that I can sort of just suddenly sort of change the, you know, the setup from, from, you know, from touring car to, to rally car with a you know, flick of a switch. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fantasy. I'm allowed to do what I like. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, and then I suppose, and I think you might, you might, um, you might appreciate, you might be on board this one, um, but probably my wild card, my sort of, my, kind of the one that I dream car sort of thing that I would have would probably be an F40. So I think that would be, Mm. you know, I think that they've always been nice. They've always been sort of something that I've, they've always been a sort of like a top, top tier car for me. Maybe a Lancia Stratos is kind of getting close, maybe sort of like a, 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 a group B homologation special, maybe like a 205 uh, T16 road car. Or uh, something like that. But I think, but ultimately, it always comes back to the F40. You know, you can't, I can't escape yeah. it. It always comes back they're, to the
0: F40. They're pretty good. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't you want to talk them. about F40. You have to too drive much. them.
0: <laughs> That's all right. I've, I've, I've spent many an hour talking about these cars. I don't need to cover Just it too much more. Sort of um, of PTSD, PTSD about
2: them. <laughs> That's,
0: yeah. Oh, no, no, no. It's fine. I'm, I'm happy with my decision. It's <laughs> good. Um, well, Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. It was it was good to chat. Yeah, it was really good. I really, really
2: enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me on.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.